Is there anything you would have done differently? We reported a true story. Our colleague Brian Williams is back in Kuwait City tonight after a close call on the skies over Iraq. Controversial Supreme Court nominee Brett Kavanaugh and questions about Kavanaugh's drinking in the past. Sean Hannity, come on up, Sean Hannity. Today, Andrew Cuomo is having a moment. Hi, I'm Chris Dyerwald. And I'm Eliana Johnson. Welcome back to Ink Stained Wretches, where we break down what's going wrong and what's going right with the American news media. And I'll tell you one thing that's going right is that after a, a brief hiatus, you have returned and you have increased the Metro DC population by one. <laughs> oh, welcome back. Thank you. And you have returned. We have returned. We have returned, but it was a it was a a, a nice hiatus. But before we get to the news for our front page, yes. Before we, we gotta, get to the news, catch up. Uh, you have to tell everybody your baby's name. Uh, apparently, it will matter. Probably, I assume mostly to female listeners. People care how long and how much babies weigh. I've never known why that's important, but tell us details. Uh, okay. Yes. Uh, Ariel was born on January tenth. She was six pounds six ounces, and and fabulous looking, fabulous, uh, gorgeous. She's she. She actually looks just like her father, so I can say that uh, she's adorable, and she does look just like her dad. I think she has. I think she has your impishness. I think I see. I think I see you in her eyes. We'll see. We'll see. We'll see. But uh, I, you know, I sent out a little email that you were on. You guys were on, but she, uh, she's such a like. I don't really like saying good baby because like it's not their fault, you know. If they- Try, but uh, but she's such a good baby so far. And I said in our little announcement that you know she like didn't make any enemies at the hospital. She doesn't seem very vindictive uh, yet. So all of that, like she totally takes after my husband. Very nice. Um, he's a very nice guy. But she did. So I was scheduled for a C-section that we had to cancel because I got COVID uh, when I oh, was yeah, yeah, about yeah. to pop. So we did not have the C-section. And she came on her own, but she came very, very swiftly. And definitely like when she was ready, she was ready. She so was that's not patient. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. Yeah, so, uh, so in that sense, she definitely takes after me. My husband is a huge procrastinator. Other information for female listeners. It, Chris, you're so gendered. Yeah. Wow. For well, yes, that is de- that that is a, a ten out of ten. Uh, Other news for female listeners: you would resent how slender Eliana is. She has not. She you would not know that this woman had a baby six weeks ago. It's amazing. Tell me more, Chris. Exactly. Tell me more. Exactly. <laughs> Tell me how cute my baby is and how skinny I am. Please keep talking. These, hey, look, these are the facts. We're ju- we're just running them down. <laughs> these these are just the facts. But I have to say, I did not like being pregnant. And then when it's your first baby, people tell you like, I mean, my friend Courtney, if you are listening, like the the night I went into labor with her, my friend said. Labor is so painful. Like, it's so much worse than a broken bone. It's it's the worst pain I've ever had in my life. Blah, blah. And then people tell you all these horror stories about breastfeeding. And I realized that, of course, these are based on people's experiences. But I really hated being pregnant. So I'm not, I don't sugarcoat any of this. But um, I feel super lucky, too. Like, the labor was quick. I th- actually think, I would not have said I have a high pain tolerance. But I think my pain tolerance must be higher than I thought it was. Because the labor was fine. And then, you know, everything else has been wonderful and she's wonderful. So, well, yes, you I'm so happy for you guys. What a, I, I love to see your little family 
and it's such such a nice it's such a nice thing. And she's kind of a ginger. She there there is uh, there well I think I observed with I observed with my kids that over time their appearance changes pretty dramatically. So a ginger with blue eyes right now. So but eye color changes, hair color changes. So just see what happens. But I bet her personality is going to be stellar. Well, we'll report back. We'll report back. Yes. yes. But Chris, I took off the month of January basically to have a baby mm-hmm. and care for her in her first weeks of life. Mm. You took off the month of January to you were supposed to finish a book. Well, I so mostly I'm check in on that process, but also hear about the the potential trauma you've experienced, the psychological toll no. it's taken. So where are you? No, no, no. Well, as you could have read in Politico Playbook, the, uh, what do you call it? It's called Broken News will be available in fine bookstores on, and probably less fine bookstores. I don't care. But will be available August 24th, 23rd, says Samantha. Mid to late August, medium August. It will be, it will be out. It is almost Perfect done. for a beach read. Perfect for a beach Perfect for your Labor Day beach. I'm I'm pleased. I have to say, and Samantha Goldstein, praise be upon her, has has really helped in this process of outlining it, pushing it through. But you know, the problem with being a newsman is the way that I conceive of deadlines is to reverse engineer back from the deadline. Instead of starting when you get the assignment, you say, okay, if this is due on this date, what is the latest moment at which I could undertake this work and still complete it? And you know what that leads to? A lot of not sleeping. I've probably had less sleep this month than you have as I try to stay awake and push through the book, but it's great. I think that's probably true. It's it's great. I'm really pleased with the product and I'm just now, we're just putting the finishing touches on it because what I ultimately want it to be you know, you know me, I'm corny. Deep down, I'm my 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 weakness is uh sincerity. <laughs> but the what I want it to be in Your weakness is your incredible generosity, sincerity. I right, I give hearted I try I try too much. I I try too hard, I give too much. No, but my my corniness is my weakness. And for me, I really do want this book to be of practical use for my fellow journalists and also for consumers of news. And I know it's cheesy to be that way, but I want to be that way. So that's what we're finishing off now is some practical application. And by the way, this podcast, the work of this podcast has made me better at this stuff because I have to think about it in different ways than I did before. Because before it was like, I just had to think about me and the work I was doing. But together we've gotten to think about the business and how it works and what people are doing. And you've definitely made me smarter. So when the book comes out, mm-hmm. we will do the Inkstained Wretches interview for Steyerwald, and we will put him on the hot seat. Guys, I will take my red pen to this book yes. and rip it apart and then put the cues to Steyerwald. Uh, which, so which, mark your calendars for middle August. Which reminds, which, which reminds me, what's our email address? Let me pull it up. Wretches at nebulouspodcast.com. That dot is com. wretches at nebulouspodcast.com. So I really enjoyed our uh, interviews with Ben Smith and Alex uh, Thompson. And Alex Thompson. Uh, 
and I want to we'll do more. And I want to keep them going. So I would just encourage anybody who has a suggestion of a, a reporter or a journalist that they'd like to hear interviewed, email us at wretches at nebulouspodcast.com and give us your suggestions and we'll get them on the books. We will try to get them on the books. Well, that'll be their problem if they don't. They'll be missing out on their opportunity to get wretched. So we were going to do a sort of a more informal episode today. Yeah. Um, but it is time for our front page the stories that we thought were most important not really this week but over the past six weeks so you know, we're <laughs> going to kind of widen the aperture here chris you you go first no you go You're, first okay because it's cnn okay don't mind if i do uh <laughs> i'm gonna take cnn now this is like a lot of stories mm. because we've just had this long story short when chris cuomo uh, came under investigation for basically hatching a plan with his brother to, not Nancy Kerrigan, Tanya Harding, the, right. the few accusers of, of Andrew Cuomo. CNN retained a white shoe law firm, Cravath, to investigate Cuomo. Sounds and like a drug. Since then, so for the past couple of months, Cravath has been like drip, drip, dripping the findings of this investigation and it would it and Cravath has now been Tanya Harding CNN with the findings of its investigation, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and the casualties have been not just Chris Cuomo, but now CNN President Jeff Zucker and the so Zeramar. Zuc- hold on, hold on. Okay, Zucker announced how long ago was this? Two weeks ago. Is that all? Yeah. Announced in January. Oops, as it turns out, I I I fell in love with. He did it as like a. What can I say? I, I love too much. My heart is too big. Basically, he said, it's true. I had not properly disclosed a relationship with one of my colleagues. And as a consequence. But it wasn't like the intern. It was the executive vice president, his right but, hand. But he, but he said, like, I should have disclosed it. Now that it's now that it's been discovered, I'm going to resign because I've. It was discovered in the investigation. And, I, and, yes. and I'm going to resign. But he his framing of it and CNN's framing of it was like, oops, you know, if they what can you do? They fell in love. They should have disclosed it. But Jeff's had a great run here. And we, we wish him the Kind best. of, because he sent an email out and he said, I'm resigning immediately. And I think he threw leaks. And CNN, through the forced immediate resignation, made very clear that this was not voluntary and the relationship was an open secret. And so everybody there knew. I think it was clear to me, like, this is an actual Who is the one? Who's the woman? The woman, uh, her name is Allison Gollist. Okay. Uh, I'm not sure if it's Gollist or Gollist, but Allison Gollist, who is a former Cuomo press secretary. Or the governor. Yes. Uh, for the governor, excuse me, the elder Cuomo, elder son Cuomo, um, <laughs> who Zucker hired at NBC and brought with him to CNN. And she was a key Zucker lieutenant. They apparently left their spouses for each other. Everyone knew. And so I think there was a lot of head scratching at CNN, but also it was clear to me, like, this isn't actually why he, he resigned. They had to have discovered something more damning, and they're using this as a fig leaf to explain to employees what— So Zucker was only there, like, two and a half years, right? Right. So Zucker 
as I understand it from talking to people who worked at CNN, was a very hands-on, and I don't mean that that way, but was a very hands-on, or not that I know of, was poked his nose into everything, right? All around the network, there was not a lot of executive remove. Yeah. And he had very close relationships with the talent. Um, So I saw this and thought, this stinks. This obviously isn't why he resigned. And so the the talent there was in an uproar. Oh, how could you make him resign over this? Well, obviously, this is not why he resigned. And so now we discover that uh, Zucker and his girlfriend, who is Andrew Cuomo's former press secretary, had been deeply involved in these bookings for Andrew Cuomo, which are, you know, not entirely what Chris Cuomo was fired for, but in part. So these are the COVID bookings? The COVID bookings. The Cuomo show. The for the Chris Cuomo show. And so Cuomo's former press secretary. And these are the and these are the groaningly terrible patootie kissing two brothers. Those were being arranged through Zucker's girlfriend, who was Cuomo's former press secretary, who was going and saying to Andrew Cuomo, hey, what do you want to talk about? And then her response publicly to that, she's now been forced to resign. Yeah. Her response publicly was that this was totally appropriate, which is like mind blowing. I mean, did she have that, anything to do with the affair stuff? Did during the affair coverage was she did she do any of that? Do do you know? Or was it just the book the, the COVID booking piece? Yeah, and saying what do you want to talk about? But she's his former press secretary. She should have had nothing to do with just for Andrew booking him for the network. At so on shows other than his brothers. On anything. Uh, be, I'm, she's his former press secretary. She should be like, you know what? I'm conflicted out of booking you for news interviews. Um, she should definitely not be telling producers, hey, I talked to the, I talked to my old boss. Here's what he wants to talk about to make him look really good. Well, they, they certainly think cahoots with Zucker on all of this. And, and this is how permission structures inside organizations get broken. Because what CNN, and, you know, I've been thinking a lot about this will sound really weird. But I've been thinking a lot about. I uh, love sentences that are, this will. St- this the, will not really. Do you remember the Jim Rutenberg piece in 2016, or in 2015 that he wrote about Donald Trump and the need for journalists to stop being objective? Yes. Does this ring a bell? Yeah. So it was like as Trump was reaching his Godzilla-like posture inside the Republican primary, and Rutenberg, with the with the help of. Who is there? She's now the deputy managing editor. She was the head of politics for the New York Times. Carolyn? Yes, Carolyn Ryan. And there was basically a piece that said, Trump is too terrible. We have to break the rules of journalism in order to confront someone so monstrous. And it created a permission structure that was very damaging for reporters because they got in the ring. Okay, this is like going down a rabbit hole, but... No, no. That... The piece didn't. Reporters would have done that anyway. But that sort of thinking. This is what I mean, is the permission structure that that kind of thinking creates. And at CNN, that kind of thinking was not only around Trump, but it was also around coronavirus. And what, what Andrew Cuomo represented for CNN was their guy, right? He was, they could really get in and openly push Andrew Cuomo to inflate the Andrew Cuomo will replace Joe Biden boomlet, to push the America needs a real leader 
right now, not Donald Trump, the, to juxtapose their guy. Their brother is one of their prime, his brother's one of the primetime hosts. His former press secretary is a, a high executive at the company. This is their guy. And that kind of thinking, the permission structure that Zucker and CNN created, uh, always fails. This guy's corner. Yeah, it always fails. Well, what's so insane is Zucker's girlfriend and who is CNN communications director saying this was totally appropriate. Yeah. Like, if that's, that's even crazier. So this brings me to my obsession was this Atlantic piece by David Graham, and we will link it in the show notes. Mm-hmm. You know, my immediate thought was, you know, they were hiding this. But this is kind of what Fox does openly, which is like Donald Trump's our guy. We're all cheering for him. Like, I'd rather that than CNN pretend uh, we're neutral and we're real reporters. So I'm thinking this while I'm reading the David Graham piece. And then his last paragraph is the network holds itself up as better than Fox News. And indeed, in many ways it is. Well, I take issue with that. But he continues, the allegations against Zucker and Gallus undermine the work of CNN's excellent journalism. Uh, okay, well, there are uh, there are so, excellent journalists so there. He says they create the impression that other outlets are as corrupt as Fox News and give media skeptics. Oh, if CNN. Sorry, I should have started here. If CNN wants to live up to its billing as the most trusted name in news, the network has some cleanup to do after this disaster. Yes. Uh, yes. And I hope, you know, I think. In my view, it like the network is irredeemable. It cannot possibly clean up this disaster. But honestly, it does seem that all of the finger pointing at Fox News on Trump was projection because CNN engaged in the same behavior uh, from Zucker on down. Well, let me tell you, the CNN did more. CNN did every bit as much to help Donald Trump become president as Fox News did. Every bit as much. The wall-to-wall coverage of the because remember at the beginning with the Trump stuff, Trump's greatest allies. Do you remember when Mark Halperin rode on a Zamboni with Donald Trump and what's his name, the that pretentious goofus uh, John Heilman? That John Heilman. Just and, you guys know Samantha is over here whispering. No, she. I make no. I make no no secret Your book of that. Is published August twenty. But that John Heilman and Mark Halpern rode on a little Zamboni with Donald Trump and asked him real tough questions like, what do you like to eat? Like, what is your favorite food? Do you ever get time to do this? Don't you think that your repair of the Wallman rink arena was so great? And Joe Scarborough and Mika Brzezinski falling at his feet. And you know why they liked him? Because he was good TV. But the reason that they talked, speaking of permission structures, the permission structure that allowed them to slobber all over him or show his rallies uh, wall to wall was that it was bad for Republicans, right? The joke, it's the same reason the Clintons encouraged Donald Trump to run for president. They're like, oh, 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 we'll let this Tasmanian devil loose inside the Republican Party. And it was that, you know, CNN really did was a was a big part of that. And then they just turned it around and turned him into the greatest villain of all time so they could do obsessive coverage about him that way. But Zucker was part of those failings, and I don't think Zucker made CNN a better network. Thank you. Hmm. Quite so. Shay, I wish we could drink to that. My uh, always, I I feel. Are we ready for your obsession? I feel well. I think we can just say this week is an uh, since we've been so long away. We, let's have an all obsession a- episode. The my 
eternal flame. Oh my gosh, wait, I realized that I said this is this is continuing pregnancy brain. I said I, I went straight to obsessions and skipped the front print. I think it's a front. I, uh, they, we can, let's. We don't even have time for the week. It's been six weeks. We just start. Let it rock, that. and because okay. we're going to get to Ukraine, well, I promise we're going to get to Ukraine in the membrane. But um, my hatred for the journalism of the Washington Post feels unhealthy to me, and I feel obsessed with it because there are so there's so much worse journalism that happens in the world. But I look at the Washington Post, and I'm like, you could be so good, right? It could be this so. It could be so much better. I look at the New York Times and I'm like, you know what, New York Times, you're you're blowing it sometimes. Sixteen, nineteen, like the, there's there's stuff, but there is the post. Just Jeff Bezos, you're so rich, you're so rich. Let the post be a better newspaper. Pay me all the money to make you. Or or just let them lose money so that they can do better journalism and not do horrible, horrible clickbait uh, from time to time. You know who she, we should do an interview with at some point? Who? Is my pal, Jason Willick, who just went from the journal editorial page to be a columnist at The Post. And so we oh, go nice. down the okay. line. Jason, I like it. Have you on. And we can talk about being a member of an editorial page. And, and how that works. Oh. All right. Yeah. So, so, so the Washington Post has issues relating to whiteness. Uh, and whiteness is problematic at the Washington Post. So uh, it's a it's a doubleheader. The best correction of 2022 so far, hands down, uh, belongs to a post correction on the following paragraph. There's here's the original. And the piece is about Jim no, Clyburn. Nobody that I'm aware of feels that opposing South Carolina congressman and congressional Black Caucus guru uh, Jim Clyburn's nomination would be the wise thing to do. If you know that a person has been vetted by Jim Clyburn, they're talking here about uh, Biden's Supreme Court picks and how Clyburn is integral in the process. And if you know that a person has been vetted by Jim Clyburn, you know that person won't go to the court and end up being a Clarence Thomas. Now, they're quoting here a person of expertise. And then the reporter adds in this line. Because this is fact. This is what we're getting back the, in the This is the context you need. Referring to the black justice whose rulings often resemble the thinking of white conservatives. Now, not conservatives, but white conservatives. Now, you could say that they also resemble the thinking of black conservatives or Hispanic conservatives or Latino conservative, whatever. You could, it would. Can we get a primer on how the yeah. thinking of Asian conservatives differs from the thinking of white conservatives? And I like that his rulings. They're, they don't reflect the thing. They don't reflect. They're not conservative. Them. They resemble the thing. They resemble. He's he's imitating white conservatives because conservative is white, and we all we all know it. And I want to give you now the fantastic, amazing correction. They and I'll get to it that they appended to this about it. It's no, it's a clarification. It is not a correction. Should I read it? Yeah, you got it right there. Okay. Lay it on them. Clarification. A previous version of this story imprecisely referred to Justice Clarence Thomas's opinions as often reflecting the thinking of white conservatives, comma, rather than conservatives broadly. That reference has been removed. So Cleve uh, Woodson Jr. and Mariana Sotomayor uh, were the authors of this piece. He's a Polk Award winner for justice reporting. They were not imprecise at all in their writing. 
I'm here to tell you that that, that that is exactly what they meant to say because there is a growing discussion that concepts like, and this is crazy, Barack Obama needs to come save his party and tell them that freedom is not a white thing. Freedom is the opposite of slavery, right? What is the opposite of slavery? Freedom. What could be more anti-racist than freedom, than to truly be free? And this is a, this is a sick thing that is going on. They meant to say that what Clarence Thomas was doing was imitating... Being an Uncle Tom. Right. He was That's imitating white conservatives. So, And when they said imprecise, they didn't say, we're sorry, we're ashamed of the bigotry that was engaged in here. These reporters are being disciplined. This is totally unacceptable. It was imprecise. They were trying to say something, and they didn't quite get it right. They got it exactly right. They got. They were ashamed when they got caught yep. by the blowback. Yep. Um, but it's amazing. Like, they're so in their own bubble. How many editors and, like, people do you think saw this story and didn't realize until basically, you know, white conservatives called them out on this? As much as we've talked about how the New York Times, you know, the Barry Weiss incident and the firing of the science reporter who stupidly used the N-word. Yeah. Yeah, who stupidly used the N-word trying to be cool. Uh, he wasn't trying to be cool. He was asking them in what context was this used, and he used it. He knew. He he knew not to say that word, but he was on a field trip with eighth graders or whatever. Yeah, mis- mistakes were made, but he shouldn't have gotten fired for being a, a doofus. Uh, because if we started firing all the 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 fake hipster doofuses, we would we our newsrooms would be emptied out. But this white equals freedom, white conservatism stuff runs deeper. So here's another piece from the Washington Post about the Ottawa trucker convoy and how it is rooted in Canada's colonial history. Now, the coverage of this thing, just as an aside here, is crazy cakes. You've got Fox covering it and right-wing media covering it like they're, they're, they, they yearn for it. They, they, it's, they wish that they were in Canada, right? It's the only way that you can get the American right to care about Canada is the truckers are going to go free whatever the capital of Canada is from Pajama Boy. Capital is Ottawa. I know, but I'm saying, like, they don't know what the capital is. Yeah. But they're going to go to the capital, uh, wherever that is, and free it from Pajama Boy Justin Trudeau, who looks like the villain in a Steve Bannon movie, right? Like, if Steve Bannon was going to make a movie, uh, the villain would be Justin Trudeau. <laughs> So they've got all this. And then on the left side of the media, you've got pieces like this. So here is a line from this Washington Post piece. The notion of, quote, freedom, close quote, scare quote, what they call freedom, uh, was historically and remains intertwined with uppercase whiteness. So they even uppercase white in the adjectival form. That's impressive. And remains intertwined with whiteness. As historian Tyler Stovall mm -hmm, has argued, the belief that one is entitled to freedom is a key component of white supremacy. I swear, this explains why the freedom... The the slaves who escape their masters were actually invoking Harriet Tub- Harriet Tubman really was of kind of reinforcing yeah. yeah kind of reinforcing white supremacy Great white supremacy this explains why the freedom convoy members see themselves as entitled to freedom Weird. no matter the public health consequences for those around them their seeing of themselves as as entitled to being free 
is racist and therefore bad. And I want to tell you, the wokeness problem at the Washington Post is out of control. The paper is out of control. This is this is why we know that the clarification on the Clarence Thomas piece is BS is because in another piece in the ma- in the newspaper they're like let me tell you about freedom which and by the way just as a reminder for the folks at the Washington Post what is the most important conservative the most important value to conservatives freedom is the most important liberty is the most important concept of individuals being able to be themselves if we have decided that that is racist we have serious problems in these united states oh my gosh all right so what about the washington that was beautiful what about the washington freebie speaking of the new york times oh my gosh what about the washington freebie uh, where do we even begin on this so well well i've been away yeah. and observing um the beacon with pride from the sidelines the beacon has roiled washington <laughs> and made national news all right start from um, the beginning i have been watching from the sidelines as as the free beacon and reporter patrick hauf have made national headlines sent sent fact checkers across this land uh rushing to their keyboards to fact check which which is amusing. Well, for, first, I want to congratulate the Free Beacon for bringing the term crack pipe back into the American discussion, <laughs> which it had really... Ending on Twitter, yes. Crack pipe had really sort of slid down in the mention. So bringing crack pipes back, uh, good. T- for, take us from the start. Tell us from the beginning what the happened. The story went up on February 7th. We will link it in the show notes. I am doing that right now. About a harm, a, a drug abuse harm reduction program that the Biden administration is funding and the safe smoking kits and that the administration grants that the administration is going to give out reimbursing communities for distribu- distributing safe smoking kits. And this was part of a bill passed by Congress or this yeah. is okay. Uh, that's right. So Congress passed a bill and it had money in it for harm reduction. And the harm reduction in this case, refers to... It essentially says, we're going to give you... We we concede you're going to use drugs, so we're going to provide... And look, the contents of these kids differ. They're reimbursing grants from groups all over the country. Well, okay, in this city or that city, we're going to give you clean needles, clean uh, pipes, clean syringes, whatever... Money provided... ...differs based on the locality. Money provided to local governments or NGOs that are, are going to give out drug paraphernalia. Ways for you to do drugs in a safer yeah. manner. So the Beacon headline is Biden and men to fund crack pipe distribution to advance, quote, racial equity, because the that was the like justification for this, which is these are underserved communities with majority minority mm-hmm. populations, mm-hmm. and the Biden administration will focus there. So... The fact checkers rush to so anyhow the administration gets caught with its pants pants down, and they their response to the beacon was Be- it's not just crack we're gonna reimburse kits that allow the kits Need- that yep. enable the assist like the use of any illicit substance not just crack they did not specifically say yes 
we are going to give out crack pipes for use. Because the administration isn't giving out anything. So the, reimbursing kits that facilitate safe drug use. Even I was uh, made aware of the frenzy on right-wing media about crack pipes. The crack pipe explosion, and I don't mean about, like, that's not a, like a Richard Pryor joke. The, the crack pipe, like, I'm like, why is everyone talking? I wake up one day and it's like all of right-wing media is talking about crack pipes. And I'm like, why? Is this Dave Chappelle skit? No. Because it was the it was the Washington Free Beacon did it, and this story went off like a rocket because it fit every Fox News, every Republican congressman. Like it was, it was tickled the erogenous Sorry, can zone. I, can yes. I correct myself? Correct anything. This is not a bill passed by Congress. Okay, it is a grant from the health from the okay. Department of Health and Human Services. Um, I, I want to correct myself. So money is appropriated by Congress to HHS. Yes, that exactly. HHS then is has latitude to uh, direct harm reduction program grant. All right. So this 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 is the the this is the administration's prerogative. Yes. But so Republican retroactively Republicans went they went nuts. crazy. And and so retroactively, a couple days later, Jen Psaki comes out and says. We are not going to fund anything that includes crack pipes. They're funding the, you know, the rest of the kids, but anything that includes a crack pipe, they're not going to fund. They Why are crack pipes out? Pretended. Well, that's my question. They pretended like this had been the policy all along, but of course, everybody knows. I guess. The, I guess the difference between needles and crack pipes, crack pipes and syringes. We write needles. So rubber. Rubber. Gloves. So the. So the. No, ru- it's like a rubber like lip that you put on the pipe. So the the I guess that would the idea with that is that you would for hepatite for for communicable diseases right. that sharing crack pipes probably has dirty crack pipes have problems I'm guessing but then the problem is the needles have demonstrated public health benefit uh, the clean needle programs do have demonstrated public health benefits because they stop, they reduce the transmission of AIDS. I think that's the the in the in the light. Just AIDS, but right. All but but AIDS AIDS is a big driver. Uh, so in the light most favorable to the defense here, that there's there's an argument. The light to most favorable to the defense is that these things, yeah, reduce communicable diseases and prevent deaths by. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. So. The, wa- the fact checks are just incredible because they want to say that this is misinformation and the Biden administration isn't doing this while at the same time saying these harm reduction programs and these kits are essential and wonderful. So the Washington Post, to continue my I don't I'm sorry, Washington Post. I know that I have friends who work there. I'm sorry. The Washington Post fact check was preposterous as it went through and fact checked the claims of goofus Republicans that are like, there's crack pipes coming out of people's heads and they got high on crack pipes. And it like, you're fact checking, you know, you're fact checking uh, Paul Gosar now and claims that he makes in tweets like people, the hyperbole of dumb politicians is not the correct purview of a fact check, blah, 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 blah. Anyway. So the Washington Post says, um, The funding is a historic moment in drug policy, as most harm reduction programs have been otherwise ineligible. Quite a fact check. Yeah. So this is a historic moment. But the Free Beacon reporting is completely inaccurate uh, because the White House says, because the White House says, you know, like that's their fact. They're not funding crack pipes. And then the best part is, in reality... Mm. The investment in harm reduction is a drop in the bucket of federal spending. Like, that's a corrective to the you could, story. You could say that about anything, right? If Joe, Bi- if Joe yeah. Biden, 
launched a missile to to uh, launched a drone strike to go kill an American, uh, you could say, well, but I mean, compared to the overall expenditures, be very low. You could say that about a lot of things. Um, and then really the icing on the cake is the New York Times with the headline uproar over crack pipes puts Biden drug strategy at risk. And the following paragraph. Some harm reduction programs do include sterile pipes, which are used for smoking meth and fentanyl, as well as crack cocaine, in such kits with the intent of preventing infectious disease or injury in drug users who might otherwise rely on contaminated paraphernalia. Harm reduction workers often try to steer users towards smoking rather than injecting, which poses a higher risk of infection or overdose. But there's no evidence that the Biden administration intended to pay for distribution of pipes. Wow. There's like all this evidence that smoking is uh, smoking rather than injecting is harm reduction. But the Biden administration was not going to do this wonderful thing. Well, they were not going to do this wonderful thing. They were going to. They thought that they had plausible. I assume that whoever at HHS had this bad idea. And here's why. And here's why it's a bad idea. The use of federal funds to do things that Americans have fundamental serious. This is like why the Hyde Amendment on abortion is important. When people have significant moral, ethical concerns, and in this case, illegal activity, when the federal government is indirectly doing that, that is a, a divide. It might help it might be great. I'm not saying that harm reduction is the is is the wrong way to do it. But when the federal government is underwriting, is using taxpayer dollars to underwrite activities that are illegal, you are going to send the wrong message. It's just not a vehicle that the federal government can follow because it's it's how it's how it is. It's just one of the jobs that the federal government cannot do. And they thought they had, I assume here, a workaround. We're not doing it. We're just going to give a grant to these people, and then those people are going to take the grant and do it. So we didn't fund the crack pipes. But everything, everything but the pipes. Right, everything but the everything but the you pipes. Guys know. Uh, everything but the pipes. It's uh, yeah, it's like the just the tip of. Just oh hey whoa 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 uh, right all right all right all right okay all right all right so that. And we've linked all that, the Beacon piece and the WAPO and New York Times fact checks. But I was so amused that we the Beacon is credited with scuttling the Biden administration's entire harm, you know, drug policy. And um, boy, you you and for six weeks and there are our 20. I think Patrick Hauf graduated college in 2021 and that he sent fact checkers across the land. Glenn Kessler, et cetera, et cetera, all, you know, rushing to their keyboards for this. So congratulations to Patrick and to the Beacon, which is marching forward in my house. <laughs> okay. We have to talk a little bit about Ukraine before we go. And we do, and we will have a, a couple of excellent kickers, uh, but we do have to talk a little bit about Ukraine. Um, number one, this is very hard to cover and very hard to talk about as we're recording this. The families, men and women, children, to th- to think of people like you, parents around the world, wherever they are, uh, when you think about kids and terrified children, terrified families, and you know what Russia represents in the world is 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 it's it is an evil empire. It is an aspiration to an evil empire. It is an aspiration to subjugate free people. And to think of those folks, it's very, it's, it, it's hard. And covering this stuff is hard. We were laughing 
a minute ago about somebody clipped CNN. Speaking of CNN, they're trying to do uh, a continuous coverage because they want to keep the coverage up, but they got to run the ads. So they're like, you hear the air raid sirens wailing in Kiev and the you're thinking about the horror. And then it cuts to an Applebee's commercial that plays the song Chicken Fried and, and like, come on down to get some shooters and blah, blah, blah. You're like, oh, boy, this is not what cable news. It, it's, it's what cable news. It, it's what CNN was once made for. But now the the business model doesn't support. So it's tough. Fox has got serious problems, too. Fox has got problems because of Donald Trump. And by giving Trump a platform to continue to talk about the illegitimacy of Joe Biden's presidency without serious rebuttal, while we are engaged in a very high stakes showdown with a very bad man and a very bad, the, the platform that Fox is providing for Trump to continue to try to delegitimate the sitting president of the United States is only irresponsible. It can only, that is an irresponsible act. The first obligation of every American journalist is first to America, right? Before we, before we are, before we are journalists, we are Americans. This is serious, serious business. And letting Donald Trump lip flap about how Joe Biden is not really the president is, is, not acceptable at this time. It is also mystifying to me. I don't disagree with that. I just think, I mean, the mainstream let the mainstream the media themselves lip flap basically about how Trump is not really the president and is the president. Yeah, but you could do that. You could do that forever. And then, I, yeah, and, but then you but could, like, but you could say after, after you said that, you could then say, well, what did the right wing say about Barack Obama? And then after that, you could say, what did the left I say about Bush? All of that. You could you could do that. You could do that forever. What I'm saying is in this in this instance, while there is a shooting war going on in which we our allies are in trouble, this is this is irresponsible. And I don't understand why. I, I, here's my guess. As these images hit home. The stuff that Tucker Carlson has been talking about, the Putin, the Putin apologism from Tucker Carlson and many on the on right wing media is going to look a lot worse once people see women and children killed by Russian missiles. Once people see this stuff going on, it's I, not it's going to be it's going to be a harder sell. I, I don't agree with Tucker at all. Right. On this. But I don't think that the average American gives two craps. And I think. I just don't think that people really care. And I think that and beyond that, I don't think Biden has made the public case to Americans that is incumbent upon I think him that's to right. make that, um, about why Americans should care, invoking the F word freedom mm -hmm, uh, mm -hmm, and liberty. Mm -hmm. And Whiteness. there has been no, yeah, there has been, Biden has not used his bully pulpit at all. Instead, they've been like trying to broadcast, you know, what their intel tells them about where Putin is. I mean, what is, what does anybody, you know, the average person care about that? He needs to give like a real speech if, if to the extent that he actually wants to push back on Putin, but he hasn't made the public case for that. Well, I, I think that they're, I, I, I their strategy of trying to outgame Putin, Putin in the press, right? Oh, he's going to invade today. Oh, he's going to invade tomorrow to try to uh, sort of gamesmanship because Putin's playing for a domestic press in Russia. Uh, Biden's playing for a domestic press in the United States. And there has been some savviness in the moves by the Biden administration tr to try to use public statements to get around. And I, that's fine. But you are 100 percent right 
that this is a time where American sacrifice may, in fact, be necessary. Our European allies are freaking out. And this is the first time that we have seen a major world power invade another country, another sovereign state, in a, in a blatant and brazen way like this. This is what the UN is supposed to, was there for. This, this sort of stuff is, is what the UN was supposed to stop. Joe Biden has a serious problem in having not done what you recommend, which is have a hard, frank conversation with the American people, which will be unpopular, right? When he says it, it will be, these things are unpopular. If we, if we did, if, if the United States had a pure democracy, where the foreign policy decisions were made by plebiscite, we would never have gone to war for, or for anything. Now, we've made many mistakes over time. The United States has made many mistakes over time. But our system of, shout out for Bill Barr, a unitary executive, means that we put a lot of this power in the hands of the president, and the president has to be willing to tell hard truths to the American people, which are in order to stand for freedom and in order to stand with our European allies, we have to be willing to do hard things, whatever Tucker Carlson says or whatever anybody else says. Well, that's not going to happen. And <laughs> the thing that struck me about the Ukraine coverage, every time I turned on the television this weekend, it was some debate about, is Putin a rational actor and is he not a I know. actor? I was just, I don't even know what that means. Like, what do they mean by rational? And they basically, the argument was that if he's rational, he wouldn't invade. I, the, I don't know what it means because sanctions. And it did make me think about my college education as like as quaint as it sounds and reading yeah. Thucydides on the ancient Greek, you know, the Peloponnesian War, which is why do people why do countries go to war? Fear, honor and interest. Yep. And assessing interests like Yes, it's rational, but there's plenty of disagreement about what's in a country's interest. Fear and honor are not rational things. And, well, and and the thing that, that struck me about this silly conversation about is Putin a rational actor, it reminded me very much of the discussion about the mullahs in Iran and are they, are they rational actors? The parochial mindset of Americans is... It's understandable. And we if you live in the greatest country in the world, uh, you don't need to spend too much time uh, worrying about other the politics of other places. But you have to imagine, put yourself in the shoes of uh, Vladimir Putin is a rational actor if you understand the world fr through Russian eyes. Well, if you understand that he wants Ukraine, so he's going to take Ukraine. And the very rational when when Vladimir Putin says NATO is a threat to Russia. We're like, what are you talking about? This is a purely he thinks Ukraine is part of Russia, so he's going to. This is a, this is a purely defensive alliance. It is the NATO has never been an offensive force ever. Why would you say that? To Russian ears, a a nation with the story of incursions from the west, incursions from the south, and the uh, the, the long story of uh, enslavement and oppression and and heartbreak of the Russian people. When Putin says the west is your enemy and the west is coming for you. That is not for nothing. And so uh, you're right. That conversation about the rationality of Vladimir Putin is quaintly American. Chris, are we at your favorite part of the week? Say something We're nice. We're actually going to revert back to form and say something nice and get to our favorites. Absolutely. You're going to lead by example. My, my favorite 
is I want to just shout out to the Instagram account, 80s News Screens. I love this account more than words can say. It is a nostalgia trip and it's great, but I, and I don't know how they do it, but everyone should follow 80s News Screens. It is so amazing because it's just screen grabs without context of hilarious images, graphics, and lower thirds from television news in the 80s and 90s. I love it so much. They're just, I just, uh, 10,000 chef's kisses. Chris, mine comes via you. (laughs) (laughs) Which is a headline in Shape. Apparently, I need to be reading more. Shape magazine. Shape magazine. What is restless anal syndrome, and how is it related to COVID-19 exactly? Which would not be my first question after what is restless anal syndrome. (laughs) But apparently, it is that some guy who had COVID in Japan Japan began to experience, quote, restless, deep anal discomfort. Okay. All right. His anus. All right. All right. All right. All right. And I said to Chris before the show started, that just sounds like giving birth. Yes. It I, was this man giving birth. As we know, it is not just women who can give birth. Anybody can give birth. I mean. So, you're, so your shout out is for Shape Magazine for yes, covering these for the hard hitting. Impossible not to click headlines. <laughs> yeah, they, they did it. R, uh, is click. it R-A-S? Restless anal syndrome. Is that correct? R-A-S. So if you have it, so. Oh, I see what you're doing. We're just looking forward to the R to the to the ads for RAS. If you have uh, mild to severe R, if you have uh, mild to medium uh, RAS, talk to your doctor about. Oh, call your OB because you are. You may be. You may be. Well, we've heard about male pregnancy, so we're in labor. We are. You. We've done it. Um, that is all the time we have left. If you have a story that you want mm-hmm. us to talk about, mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. a journalist that you want us to grill. Email us. Lightly. Wretches at nebulouspodcast.com. That's wretches at nebulouspodcast.com. This has been Inkstained Wretches from Nebulous Media. Find us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Just search for Wretches. Wretches.